Thanks for listening to the Gateway Live podcast, a collection of recent sermons, teaching, and inspirational content brought to you by Gateway Church of Upstate New York. Visit our website at gatewaylive.org for more information. Now, here's today's message. I intentionally, I intentionally didn't study. Because as a teacher, which is one of my primary gifts as a teacher, and the teachers that are here, you know, once you head down that road, man, you've just got stuff spread out all over the place, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, concordance, dictionary. You just, like, you see something here, and then you go over here, and then you go over. Because that's just how vast God is. His thoughts are so far beyond our thoughts. And when we connect with his thoughts, I just love to chase him. I love to chase him and see where I end up. But that won't help here today. Because I have one word. I have one word from the Holy Ghost today. And that is hope. That is hope. We are, the scripture declares that we are saved by hope. Hope. Hope in what? Hope in the real estate market? Hope in my, hope in my, my, my business? Not this week. <laughs> hope in our government? Hope in our leaders? No. It's hope in the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, for some of you who don't know me, if you'd spend a little time with me, I am a very passionate person, and my wife said... <laughs> And unfortunately, that passion can be displayed improperly from time to time. And my wife said, <laughs> but after 40 years, I think I'm locking it down a little bit. But do not confuse my passion today with anything other than just absolute trust. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot trust anyone, anything other than him. I, you need to come to that place in your life. You will come to that place in your life where there is a threshold. I don't know when, I don't know where, but there's a threshold you must cross over in your relationship with Jesus Christ where you abandon, where you abandon all human logic, all human reasoning, all human knowledge, all human counsel, and you just step out into the unknown. And you know what? We're, we're going to talk about some of these places that God sent people. God sent them. Now, I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation today. It's my new favorite. It's my new favorite. We don't even have it online, and it wouldn't matter anyways because we don't have internet. Every time I preach. It's a good thing I don't believe that there's a correlation does not equal causation, so I don't believe that I am the reason for the internet crashing, okay? I, I'm not, I don't think I'm that, that, that powerful, but still, there is a coincidence here. Oh, where am I starting? I don't even know where to start. I don't want to start there. Matthew, thank you. That's it. How, did you see my notes or something? Or does she have it up there behind me? Matthew chapter 14. Did you really say Matthew? Oh, my. Okay. Well, it must be the Holy Ghost then. What does the book of Hebrews tell us? See, I, I, it doesn't matter 
We are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses. You do not have the right to despair. I do not have the right to despair. I don't. Not in this hour. Not in this day. Not with the sum total of this book and the thousands and thousands, if, if I could, millions that have gone before us over, de- over, over centuries Millennium, we have the record of so many witnesses. I, and trust me, you don't think life doesn't get to me? Spend a little time with me this afternoon, and I'll tell you exactly where I am in the middle of a, the Sea of Galilee on a boat that's being tossed. That's where I am this week. But you know what? I have a witness And in Matthew chapter 14, we see the event of Jesus feeding the multitude. His his disciples, I'm going to switch, my eyes are maybe a little worse than Lena's. I'm going to be switching back and forth here. Because I want to see you. Because I believe this with every fiber of my being. Every fiber of my being. He just got finished feeding all of these people. And his disciples were a very integral part of that miracle. They, they, they worked in that miracle. They saw it. And then what does Jesus do? He sends them out into the Sea of Galilee, and then he separates himself from everybody. It goes to someplace, uh, some solitude, finds some solitude, and just starts to pray. And what happens to the disciples? We know these events. We read these things in this book. And do we just read over them as if it was a story for another time or another age? Or do we actually understand why those guys went through what they went through for our sake, the Scripture says? And the storm tossed the boat. These were grown men. It's like, you know, it's like us going out into a, into a canoe or a boat and having the wind come up and us freaking out. Stuff that we are so familiar with. Life. We are familiar with life. These guys owned, most of them were fishermen by trade. That was their business. And God, in his foreknowledge, does God know the end from the beginning? Does God know every footstep you take? Does he know the hair on your head, every one of them? Some of us more than others. Some of us grayer than others. He knows. He is intimately involved in my life. He knows every cell, every fiber, every footstep, every thought, every motive. He knows it all. And yet he sent them into a storm. And some would declare that that makes God very unjust. Some would say, you know, but you will never be healed unless you are sick. You will never see provision unless you are in need. You will never experience the miraculous intervention of the Almighty God unless you have a need. And I don't have an answer for the why. That is just the way it works. And you have to resolve, you have to come to resolution in your heart and in your mind that you are going to walk with him, trust in him, hope in him, regardless of circumstance or situation. You have to, you have to. I'm telling you this, let me just thus saith the Lord from the beginning of this sermon to the end, okay? 
We have to find a place where we trust him just when it seems so ludicrous, when it seems so ridiculous, when we're lying in a hospital bed in pain, alone. We are not alone. Never, ever, ever, ever are we alone. I have hope. So Jesus does this, and he does it over and over again in the scriptures. You see it. He does it over and over in our lives. He sends them out there. Is he the creator of the wind and the waves? He, the whole situation, he is the author of it all. He is that we are surrounded by, so why do I fret? Why do I lose sleep? And I, I do, I lose sleep. I wrestle with stuff. But he brings me back constantly to this. And I think that that's okay to wrestle with things because if I don't wrestle, I'll never find the victory. There are things I don't understand, there are, but I do understand the outcome of, of others' events, others' trials, others' tribulations, and God is no respecter of persons. And he called me. I remember when he sealed me with the Holy Spirit of promise, and he has shown up so many times in our lives miraculously. Why will he fail me now? He is incapable of failure. There are many things that God cannot do. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. He cannot transgress his word. Oh, that should give me such hope. Do you have hope today? Okay, Dan does. Do you have hope today? I want you to say it. I have hope. I have hope. You know what? You, know, you need to hear that, and the enemy of your soul needs to hear it. Because we have an enemy, and his time is so short, and he is terrified. He is terrified. We are not. Where was I? Matthew. Thank you. He goes out walking on the water. Anybody ever see that? Huh? You tried it? I tried it once, too. Did not work. But I guess the need was, I didn't need to walk on the water that day. But Peter, love him. He see, they see Jesus. At first, they're terrified, terrified, grown men, terrified. Any of you grown men ever been terrified? Maybe, yeah. That's okay. That's a human feeling that arises. Don't think, don't think that I, I don't mind you interpreting. Don't, I, I love that. You, you, if she has a question, I want it answered. That's Moises' eldest sister from Brazil. Not a lick of English. But you know what? The Holy Ghost speaks Portuguese. <laughs> Holy, the, how do I say it? How do I say the Holy Ghost? Espiritu Santo fala Portuguese. <laughs> He's out there walking on the water. They're terrified. It's okay. We wrestle with this. We're human. Don't think that these emotions will not come. There are many, many, many times I lie awake in, at 2 a.m. while my wife is just sweetly snoring. <laughs> She's got this cute little rumble. 
She's sound asleep, and I am wrestling with things. On one hand, I'm wrestling with, with what's going on. On the other hand, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm just rehearsing these things in my mind. And eventually, the exhaustion wins, and I fall asleep. And you know what? Every time I go through these things, every time we go through these things, we see his faithfulness. We see his faithfulness. And Peter just finally realizes, wait, that's the Lord. You have to look for him in the middle of your crisis. You must look for him because I promise you, he's there. He's at the hospital room. He's on my job site. He's in our bedrooms. He's in our cars. He's with our children. He's in our thoughts. He's in our very soul. He has made me his dwelling place. And I believe that. That is my hope today. Say, I have hope. He is there, and I just need to still myself. I just need to still myself and say, Father, what is heaven saying about this situation? Is that really you? If it is you, Lord, then I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. My retirement fund, I don't have one anyways, but if I did, it wouldn't matter to me. Based on where I'm going. Yes, I try to be a responsible father. I try to be a responsible husband. I'm failing at being a responsible grandfather because they get ice cream, snacks, cookies, and candy all the time. But I think that might be good. I don't know. I try to do my best, but at the end of the day, all of my efforts are going to fall short. But he never fails. He is either the author and finisher, the provider of all things in my life, or I will spend the rest of my days toiling by the sweat of my brow and failing, coming short. But he, he, he owns everything. He owns it all. And he is able to provide. And Peter says, if that's you, Lord, come out to me. Come out to me. Hannah, stand up for a minute. Yes, you, Hannah. This is the bow of your ship. Okay, you know what? I'm not apologizing for preaching different than other people. Come up here and hold that ship. Hold hold the bow of that ship. That is the bow of your ship. Your miracle is over here walking on the water. Terry, come on over here and walk on the water a little bit. Walk on water. Nope, he didn't walk like that. No, he never, he never displays anything but absolute confidence, love, and, and, and just he is a pure example. Jesus is a pure example of what heaven awaits, what, what, what awaits for us. What did, Jesus, what did Jesus say to Peter? What did Peter do? Yeah. Okay. Sit down. He had to let go of the stupid man-made construct that they found safety in. He had to let he had eventually he had to let go. God, I wish there were people that could have enough I don't know call it faith, I don't know what you call it, but Peter let go. He let 
go of safety. He let go of security. He let go of familiarity. He let go of complacency. He let go of, of, of earthly wisdom and human knowledge. He let go of it all and said, I don't care what this looks like. He's there and I want to be where he is. In that passion, that passion when he calls us, when he calls us, that passion is what drives us to him. Don't lose that passion. This world it thinks it's peculiar. They think, they think it's odd. They think it's strange when we demonstrate our passion towards him. But God is like, that's it. That's it. That's what I want. That will move me. That will cause you to experience glorious, miraculous deliverance. And we know the story. We know what happened. Peter looked again. And you know what? That's okay. The man walked on water. I don't care if it was a couple of steps. None of us have ever done that before. And none of us have ever done it after. And Jesus reached out. Peter called on the Lord. Yes, save me. And what did God do? He did not take a step back and say, deal with it yourself. You're alone. No. The second Peter called out to him, he took his hand. What does the scripture says? They were in the boat and everything stopped. The longer I hold on to these places of safety, thus saith the Lord, if I have to. The longer we hold on to our own comfort the longer we hold on to the familiar places that we feel safe in, the longer we hold on. I'm not talking about heaven and hell here. I am saved. I'm talking about accessing the fullness of life that God purposes for me to live here now in this very moment. I, I don't want to share too much. I know what it's like to be homeless. I was I know what it's like to be terrified, to live with terror day in, day out, day in, day out. I know what it's like to have my life threatened. I know what it's like to have people wanting to take my life. I know what it's like to wanting to take my own life over and over. Thank God I failed in those moments. Thank God others failed in those moments. I know what it's like, so I'm not standing here declaring that this is just some easy walk in the park. No effort on our part, but God meets me every time. He meets us every time. He provides every time. And if I'm lying in a hospital bed, this is personal experience, lying in a hospital bed, all by myself, sick, sick, sick for days, not knowing, not knowing what's going on. No doctor could tell me what's going on. All I did was pray and say, Father, are you here with me? And I want to tell you something. He, I, I didn't need to see him. I could see him standing next to my bed, and nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered. And here I am today. I think I'm in pretty good health. Could probably knock off a few calories, but all right. I gotta look at the time here. Cause I just have fun. I don't know. We got plenty of time, I guess. <clears throat> so I'm gonna just rattle these off. Daniel, 
great cloud of witnesses. He was in a lion's den. Why? It was his fault. He, it was Daniel's fault he was there. Can't you just keep your mouth shut? Can't you just go along with the crowd? Can't you just acquiesce to the current culture? Can't you just... Mm. Did I say shut up? I'm sorry, honey. Uh-oh. I owe her some money. Well, then let's rack up the charges here. <laughs> Who was in the lion's den with him? Who shut the mouths of the lions? Ever heard of that before? Ever seen it since? I'll tell you, God is in the middle of the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was their fault. It was their fault. They were thrown into that fiery furnace. And it was their fault that Nebuchadnezzar made that furnace seven times hotter than it was normally supposed to be. Because they just wouldn't shut up. Oh, there's another 50 cents. They wouldn't submit to the current culture. They wouldn't relinquish their faith that if he slays me, yet I will trust him. And then it was only in the middle of that burning, fiery furnace that they saw that fourth man. You will not see, sometimes you just will not encounter him until you are in that place. Say, I have hope. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not have this book. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not have the cross of Christ, but they had hope. The same hope that is available to us, but now it's exponentially multiplied because I have been endued with power since I have been baptized in his spirit. Ask me why I'm adamant about making sure people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about heaven and hell. The scripture says that you shall receive power. That is the first sign of the Holy Spirit. If you are not walking in power, I would question whether or not I would question whether I had it or not. There's answers. Lazarus' tomb. Oh, man, I just watched another episode of The Chosen last night. Makes me want to just go out on the street and start raising people from the dead, I'm telling you. I love that. I, can't, I cannot binge watch it. I can't. I can't binge watch it because it's just, I, I run out of tissues halfway through it. Yes, I, I'm a little weepy. But Lazarus, he, can, can you imagine this? Go ahead. Say, Ned, I'm sick, and I need you to come over and pray. Okay, I'll be there in three or four days. You would be so offended. You would be so offended. You would, we would be so offended. And so was Martha and Mary. They were really mad. They were really mad, but Jesus intentionally let Lazarus die so he could raise him from the dead. And I wonder how much I'm willing to, to trust his plan for my life knowing that there's a resurrection there for me. He was, I promise you, Lazarus in his death saw Christ and was waiting for that. He knew God is there in, in the tomb with you. You are not alone in what seems to be death. We already talked about Peter on the, on the sea. This is one of my favorites. 
How many of you feel like you have to, you have to pay for your own mistakes, your own faults, your own failures? I, I have to pay a price for that. So there was a thief that thought he had to pay the price for his own sins. There was a thief hanging on the cross, and all he did was look to his, look to his right. Don't you tell me. Don't you tell me there's no place he won't show up. He shows up everywhere. He is everywhere with us. And all that thief had to do was look and say, remember me, and that was enough. That was enough for Christ to say, today you're going to be with me in paradise. That was enough. He didn't have to get down and offer up a thousand bulls for sacrifices because he was, it was one of my favorite thoughts, he was hanging between two covenants. You tell me what covenant he was saved under. He wasn't. He was just that close to God. God showed up because God wanted to save that man. Say, I have hope. We have more hope. We should have more hope than any generation that has gone before because we have more witness than any generation that has gone before. You want me to keep going? Okay. Remember, Pastor, if you're watching, they said yes. Okay. Psalms chapter 40. I'll read this out of the uh, Passion. I waited and waited and waited some more. See, the King James Version says it very, says, says I waited patiently for the Lord. That's so nice. He says, I waited I, wait, I waited and waited and waited some more, patiently knowing God would come through for me. Do you realize that God is coming through for you? Do you realize that? God is going to come through for me. I don't know about this current situation in my life, but I do know that God is going to come through for me because there is nothing on this planet that is outside of His control, especially us. If I am submitted to him, nothing. I am under his control, under his authority, in his care. Patiently knowing God would come form, through for me. Then at last, he bent down and listened to my cry. He stooped down to lift me out of danger from the desolate pit I was in and out of the muddy mess I had fallen into. Now he lifts me up into a firm, secure place and steadfast for while I walk alone his ascending path. A new song for a new day rises up in me. Let me prophesy over you. There is a new song coming for you. There is a new song coming for you. How many of you are in the midst of a trial right now? There is a new song coming. There is a new song coming. And you better sing it when it comes. I don't care how you sound. I have no idea how I sound when I sing. People say I sound okay. But let me tell you something. And... and and Fred and Kim might remember this. There were people that would turn around in the middle of church services and tell me to stop singing. When I first got into the church, oh, don't, don't provoke me. I made even more noise. 
See, because I had come in contact with somebody that brought me out of the miry clay, I was lost, and I knew it. I was desperate for something, and I knew it. I was miserable, and I knew it. And when I came into connection with the true living God who loved me perfectly, who accepted me in my sin, just as he accepts everyone, he brought me, he didn't leave me there. He didn't, he didn't condone it. He brought me up out of it. And he set my feet on a rock. And he put a new song in my life. And then I took vocal lessons for a, a little while and was able to sing better. I want to finish with this. Because I'm going to skip everything else I want to say. But you need to read Romans chapter 8. Write that down somewhere. Romans chapter 8. I want to finish with this in Hebrews. I've never been a good closer because I don't like to close. I don't like to close. I like to keep this thing going. I don't, I don't I just, it's just the way I am. So stand with me this morning. I'll ask the magicians to come. And yes, I, I do like to coerce you. I do like to pry you out of your comfort zone. Because why, 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 why were the apostles so passionate? Why did they turn the world upside down? Because they witnessed something. They saw it. They saw the Messiah. They saw the miracles. They were part, participating in it. They knew he was the only hope that they had. When Jesus turned to his disciples that one day and said, they've all left, will you leave me? What did Peter say? What did he say? Where else am I going to go? You alone are my hope. I have hope today. And what Christ is looking for is for you to let go of the side of the boat. What Christ is looking for is for you to walk into the fiery furnace with confidence. What Christ is looking for is for you to sit down in, in, with a calm spirit in the middle of a lion's den. What he is looking for today is for you to get your eyes off the, off the, off the raging waters and say, Lord, save me. And he will. He will raise you up out of the miry clay. He will heal your body. He will give you answers to life's questions. He will set your feet upon a path that is immovable. He will order your footsteps, and every footstep will be filled with that new song of praise. So God added his vow to the promise. It is impossible 
for God to lie. For we know that, that his promise and his vow will never change. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort. That's the only place we will find his strength and his comfort. We are not going to find it anywhere else. For he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time in unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us and he is now and forever a royal priest. If you have hope today, come. If you need hope today, come. If you are in the midst of a trial, come. If you are in the midst of a fiery furnace, come. If God has called you, come. If God has called you to let go, come. That means here and now, I'm giving you that invitation. That's what this, 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 what this is all. This is not rhetoric here. Because I believe that God is going to intervene miraculously. Today, now, I believe that God is going to heal. I'm believing that God is visiting Nicole Harney right now with healing in that hospital room to raise her up and to provide for her, to take her out of the chaos that she is finding herself in and bring answers and stability to her life in the name of Jesus Christ. What is it that you need? Come and call out upon him and watch him reach down and lift you up out of the miry clay. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new messages are released. And remember to visit gatewaylive.org for more information.